Good day, my brothers and sisters around the world. Welcome to Nas Daily Inspiration. This episode is focused on breaking bad habit to help us improve mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. If you can please subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, a family member, a loved one that might be needed this at this moment in time. Here's a good phrase to note. Negative is normal. It's not successful, but it's normal. It's part of life. And here's the next key, in my opinion. You must learn to handle the negative. Don't ignore it. Handle it. Now, I know some people teach the other way. And listen to them and listen to me and then make up your own mind, right? Don't be a follower, be a student. But I say you got to handle the negative. You don't have to live in it. You don't have to dwell on it, but you do have to handle it. My opinion. I know some people teach, just turn your head real quick and say, there's no weeds, there's no weeds, there's no weeds. They'll take your guard. So you've got to handle the negative. Here's what part of it is. It's called the great war between good and evil. Mr. Reynolds and I are working on a new book this year called the great war between good and evil. And there is a war on the minute you were born, you got involved in the war between good and evil, between darkness and light, between negative and positive, between evil and good, between tyranny and democracy, between weeds and human activity. I mean, the war is on. If democracy sleeps, guess who never sleeps? Tyranny. In the absence of light, guess what's automatic? Darkness. If good does not arouse itself and become active, guess what moves in? Evil. It's a war, a mental war, a physical war, a financial war between enterprise and ease, between accomplishment and failure. It's a war. That's why there's an Old Testament phrase that gives the best advice for human activity when it says, six days labor, one day rest. Now, I'm sure we've taken that to mean, don't work all seven days, take one off. Here's what it also means, only take one off. Or you're liable to lose the war. Now, we've got it down to five and two, and maybe that's not too dangerous. I don't know. If God would have thought of five and two, he might have made it five and two. I don't know. You can't think of everything. But here's what it does mean. Enterprise is better than ease. If you rest too long, the jungle overtakes the village. Now, here's the good news about the war between good and evil. Evil is no match for good, but good must be active. Weeds are no match for human activity, but if you stand still, how far in will they come? All the way. They'll grow right up around your shoes. But if you get busy, how far back can you take them? As far as you wish. They're no match, but you must be active. That's why the six and one 
make sure you're not losing the war by taking off to uh, guess what the average years are after retirement six six which means don't retire Your chances are too slim. Okay. The war between good and evil, the weeds. You got to make sure you recognize the negative, handle it, deal with it, and then go on. To break a bad habit, smoking, drinking, habitual lateness, being overweight, whatever, the first and most important thing you must do is decide that you really want to change. That is a decision you and only you can make. Without this motivation, no person or procedure will have any significant impact on your behavior. You must decide that you want to take control of your life, that you want to be free, that you want to do things with your life instead of having things done to your life. Secondly, if you need to, get help. Interestingly enough, many people quit their bad habits in the same way they acquired them, by associating with people who share their goals. Alcoholics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, literally hundreds of self-help organizations provide just this sort of positive association and support for people with problems. Thirdly, try substitution. There is really no such thing as eliminating a habit. You simply substitute a good one for a bad one. The psychologists say that it's important to have a new activity or habit to fill the void when you start shedding old habits. In place of eating, you might try jogging. Instead of drinking, you might try talking. In place of smoking, substitute writing. In other words, don't be unwise in your habits, but rather aspire to maturity and wisdom and keep your mind well and emotions focused on positive ideas. And you don't break habits, you replace habits. Uh, what I perceive to be a bad habit, and I don't consciously and deliberately replace it with a good habit, I'm going to form another bad habit. Nature abhors a vacuum. And so it takes a fair amount of energy and it takes understanding to replace a bad habit with a good habit. So I think what you do is you sit and say, how do I recognize this bad habit? Well, you generally recognize it in your own behavior. And so you say, well, this behavior is giving me a result I don't want. Now, people try, psychoanalysts try and find the cause of that behavior. Uh, you may never find it. We know it's an idea in the subconscious mind. We sit and write the behavior out, write it out in crystal clear detail. And then we say, what would be the polar opposite to that? Take another sheet of paper and write out what behavior would be the polar opposite to the one you want to get rid of and write it out. Take the negative one and burn it, literally burn it. Now that's merely symbolic. It's yeah. like, um, lighting a candle in a cathedral. I mean, it's, it's yeah. symbolic. You take the positive one and you keep writing it every day. Write it every day. Read it frequently. Write it four or five times a day. Read it frequently. And you will eventually lodge that idea, or as James Allen put it, you will deposit it in the, in the, in the treasury of your subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. And once it begins to take root, it takes the power away from the negative habit. The negative habit actually dies from a lack of nourishment and the positive one takes over.
I have done the work. And what I know is that true change comes down to five second windows. That moment that you know you need to do something that feels slightly uncomfortable and your resignation, your excuses, your self-doubt start cranking up in your head, you gotta move, you have to move. And so what happened for me is I invented a hack, a brain hack. It's the stupidest thing in the world. And it turns out that it's actually tremendously profound and powerful at a neurological level and at a scientific and a psychological level. When I invented it, I had no clue what I had invented. And it took me about three years from the moment that I invented it to actually realize that, holy shit, I think I've discovered the secret to changing anything. So I called it the five second rule because I never intended to talk about it. It was a cheat to beat the alarm clock. Here's how it goes. The alarm rings in the morning. Most of us don't want to get out of bed, right? But we know we should. So I would go five, four, three, two, one. The moment the alarm rang, five, four, three, two, one, just like NASA, what they do, they count down to launch a rocket ship. And the counting backwards kind of shut my mind off. And then suddenly at one, I would stand up. And I would use this every single morning to get out of bed. And nine years later, I still use it every single morning to get out of bed. I think some behavior you can learn and automate, other stuff that you don't like doing, you're gonna always have to push yourself. That's just how it is. And I noticed two things um, as I started to use it. I noticed that that window where I'd be lying in bed and I'd have the knowledge that I should get up, but in my body, I wouldn't feel it. And as I lied in bed, and you can try this tomorrow morning, set your alarm early, earlier than you normally do, and watch what happens. The alarm will go off and your mind knows that you said you would get up. Your mind has that wisdom, your gut has that wisdom. It's, it's holding on to it. And then it starts to kind of nudge you with a little guilt. And then what'll happen is all of a sudden you'll start talking yourself out of doing the, the thing you said you would do. And it happens in less than five seconds. And so what, what I know is that those are two different parts of your brain going at, at, at once. And if you go five, four, three, two, one, you interrupt the habit of self-doubt and the habit of talking yourself out of it and shutting down the part of the brain that actually minimizes your power. And you awaken the part of the brain that is active in functional MRIs when you're trying to change. And so all you need to know to change anything is A, you're never gonna feel like it. You're never gonna feel ready to start that business. You're never gonna feel ready to have that hard conversation. You're never gonna feel like getting out of bed. You're never gonna feel like it's a good idea to apply for that promotion. We're designed to stay comfortable and safe. So if you know that you're A, never gonna feel like it, and B, that no one's coming, it's up to you. You're not a kid anymore. I'm dead serious about this. Like most, a lot, so many of you are waiting to be picked by who? Are you making the most of your life? And the answer is yes, if you pay attention to what you do in five second windows. Are you the kind of person that when your instincts come alive and they wanna nudge you to go talk to that cute gal across the way or raise your hand in a meeting and share that idea? Are you the kind of person that pushes yourself to step into that or do you pull back? That's the power of a five second decision because you can't, you can't choose how you feel. You can't. Yeah, maybe you can go and become a Buddhist monk and meditate for four months and get full control of your physiology. And yeah, 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 technically you can control how you feel, but you and I can't, we got a job. You got kids you gotta raise. You can't, that, that's not possible. 
So you can do something else. You can actually disregard your feelings. You can become the kind of person that is so in tune with the values that you have and what you actually want that when feelings rise up, you can choose to act however you want despite them. Even if you're tired, you can still go to the gym. Even if you're annoyed with your spouse, you can still speak in a manner that's loving. Even if you don't feel like doing that hard work, you can still push yourself to do it. Your feelings aren't a choice. Your behavior and your thoughts are always a choice. Our lives are mostly affected by the way we think things are, not the way they are. The way we think they are affects us most. One of the major things Shove taught me when I met him, he said, poor thinking habits keeps most people poor, not poor working habits. Most people work hard, but they don't think hard. And Shove taught me that the mind is like a factory a mental factory and whatever you think about all day long pours ingredients into this mental factory and that's what builds the economic social financial fabric of your life he quoted me a bible phrase that says as you think so you become how awesome when he talked about poor thinking habits he had me I used to start the day reading the morning newspaper. I mean, you can believe that or not. I'd get a cup of coffee and read the paper. I'd load up on wars and riots and murders and stabbings and killings and bank robberies and muggings and car wrecks and tragedies. I'd even read the back pages. I seem to like that stuff for some weird reason. I'd load up on all that and then I'd start the day. You can imagine the kind of days I used to have. You walk around on your financial knees. They call you economic peewee. Pessimism, the deadly disease of always looking on the bad side, the problem side, the difficult side, checking all the reasons why it can't be done. The poor pessimist leads an ugly life. He doesn't try to figure out what's right. He tries to figure out what's wrong. He doesn't look for virtue. He looks for faults. And when he finds them, he's delighted. How ugly. This is the poor guy looks through the window, doesn't see the sunset. He sees the specks on the window. And this is the poor guy, right, who rushes up, takes such leave of his senses. This guy rushes up and he says, I've got five good reasons why it won't work. He's so dumb, he doesn't know. All he needs one. He's got five. To the pessimist, the glass is always half empty. To the optimist, the glass is half full. Why would the same measure affect people two different ways? Answer, it all depends on how you look at it. Well, I like to uh, interview people, and I ask them how it's going. And I ask them, uh, you know, if it's what kind of day is it for you? And if the weather enters into the picture, then I know that, that it's not mental, because the weather is an external factor. So if the externals in life are the things that determine whether you have a good day or not, uh, you're being, if you will, you're a thermometer. A thermometer is a passive device that lays there and tells you how, how the world is doing on the outside. Mm. A thermostat is what you set on the temperature that you want, then it controls the air conditioning and the heating. If you look at your body and brain as the hardware in your computer, and you look at the software as the 
things you put in your mind. You have a software program that drives the hardware. So the software is what you need to program with the instructions to have the computer follow directions. And so you tell a computer what you want it to do, and the software program determines the outcome of what the computer does. Most people don't know how to program their software to get the outcomes they want. It's being programmed by the evening news, it's being programmed by uh, sitcoms, reality TV shows, commercials. They tell us what to eat, they tell us what to buy, they tell us how to dress, they tell us what to think, they tell us who to vote for, and we just listen and, and we say, wait a minute, I'm too smart for that. I'm not going to pay any attention to that. Too late. Observation, imitation, repetition, habit, secondhand smoke, secondhand violence, secondhand it, it goes in and sticks, and, and even TV if we don't want to do it, we do it anyway. That's called the perception to buy. Uh, the advertising manipulates perception, so you buy what they want you. And the same thing is true with self-talk and controlled thinking. It makes you control your habits so that you do maybe what's good for you. And the question is, who's putting what into your mind? Is it junk food uh, in your mind, or are you putting in some stuff that really makes your mind work well? There, there's been a, a misnomer. In other words, uh, you really don't learn while you sleep. So sleep learning, uh, the Russians tried it, and the important thing about sleep is you need to dream. And you dream about every 30 to 40 minutes. You go down into a deep sleep, come back up and have a dream. So you have so many dreams per night. If you tried to learn stuff while you're asleep, it would interrupt your dreams and you would be irritable, and you would uh, actually be a little bit paranoid. So mm. the best time to get inputs is mm. when you're relaxed, not paying attention to it. Mm. And that's where television and commercials and radio and all these things have the biggest impact on teenagers because they're really not paying that much attention to it. What wow. they say is, ah, look, the lyrics don't mean anything to me. Yeah. I like the beat, but mm. the lyrics, I don't pay any attention. Well, the truth is, they don't have to pay attention. <sighs> because it's going in and sticking anyway. Hypnosis is when you learn when you're relaxed and you repeat things, but you didn't remember that you learned them. So you dehypnotize people by helping them take in stuff that's good for them rather than not recognize they're taking in stuff that's bad for them. So obviously you have to read a lot of books, listen to a lot of programs, listen to positive radio, watch the Discovery Channel, watch National Geographic, mm -hmm. listen to great music and go out to ethnic restaurants and watch people who are doing great things and you know, really get involved with people who are trying to make a difference in the world. The next thing you know, you say, wow, some of that stuff's rubbing off on me. The kids back in Danbury, Connecticut, high school, they're asking me questions one day. I'm talking to the kids. Kids got good questions these days. One of them said to me, Mr. Rohn, how do you build the good life? I said, it's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Here's how you build anything. Select the right ingredients, keep out the wrong ingredients, and it starts with thought. Everything starts with thought. So you must be wise and careful what you think about, because that starts everything.